Do you feel like you've had a bit of a pivot in your business lately? Hi, I'm Candace, and over the last six months, I spent 300 hours talking to clients in eight different countries. I asked the question, how can I serve them even more? And the Align Your Business Summit was born. I handpicked 16 powerful, heart-centered business entrepreneurs, conscious leaders, and visionaries to help support you in your pivot with their wisdom and lots of free gifts. Please join me for the next 16 days here on the Intuitive Business Podcast for your first step to move into the next level of you. Speaking of steps, step number two is sign up for my free gift of a live group Akashic Record reading. All you have to do is go to bit.ly forward slash align summit to sign up for emails that will lead you to your free gift, a live group Akashic Record reading where you too can ask questions from the wisdom of your soul. See you there. Hi, everybody. I'm here with my kit, my friend, Kim Fuller, and I thought she'd be such a great fit for this business alignment summit. So I'm going to read a little intro so that we could just get started and you can meet Kim. So here we go. Kim Fuller is a mindful photographer meditation guide, author, TEDx speaker, and founder of Born to Rise. Her passion is to help women stand in their power, their story, and their beauty so they can live a confident and peaceful life. She uses photography to mirror the beauty she sees inside each woman which empowers them to show up authentically in business and in life. She gives women a platform to share their story to a live audience so they can process, release, and transform themselves from victim to hero. And she gives women mindful tools through her art of the pause. That pause method invites women to slow down and look carefully inward to enable them to expand in creativity, intuition, peace, joy, and to release their fears, judgments, and assumptions of themselves and others. She is a mother of three, one of whom is adopted and is her greatest spiritual teacher. Her book, Finding, tells the story of her journey with this young boy and the Dalai Lama, one of Kim's greatest gifts, and she is a great hugger. <laughs> Kim, I have had such the pleasure to be on the other side of those major incredible hugs, and I can totally testify <laughs> to the beauty of your hugs. So, Thank you for being a guest um, today on the summit. It's so exciting. And I have to say one of your favorite gifts has got to be hugging as well, because I love to hug you 
<laughs> I think that's how we knocked your earring off. <laughs> when Probably. You <laughs> she came to stay at my house. I recently found it after what? <laughs> Six weeks. Yeah, like a couple, a few months. It was before, for, you know, it was like a long time ago. It was a long time ago. It yeah. was. <laughs> so I'm going to kick us off with a question. Is that cool? Yeah, let's do it. Awesome. Oh my goodness, Kim, you have so many beautiful, rich subjects to talk about. Your son, your book, meeting the Dalai Lama, your photography, your TEDx talk, Born to Rise, and the pause. So I'm going to pause right there, and I'm going to invite you to share with all these visionaries and change makers that are usually highly intuitive and creative but they're moving a hundred miles an hour and they have their hand in all these beautiful projects. So with that being said, let's talk a little bit about the art of the pause. Yeah. Well, first of all, thank you so much for having me, Candy. I think that um, whether we use all, all the, sounds like a million things that I do, but they are all related, I promise. <laughs> and, um, you know, using them in business to feel more aligned, to feel more present is really the, the point of all of it. Um, I think for many women, um, what, what I've noticed in conversation is that they're so powerful, so beautiful, so productive, they're doing amazing things in the world, but oftentimes, they can't even remember what they did, be in joy while they're doing it, and feel like they've accomplished anything because it's going by so fast. So part of Art of the Pause, um, it started out as a method to really help people be in deeper relationship, not only with themselves, but with others. And um, I designed that because of the challenges that came about from adopting my son. And I really learned so much about being in relationship with someone who, one, is very challenging and has just so many of his own issues that um, it was hard to, to be with him and really feel like I was making progress as a parent with him. Um, and so I really had to practice some of the things that I had learned in my Buddhist studies and my mindfulness practice to be able to be in relationship with him in a productive way. So the art of the pause came about from, um, from that experience, which I can certainly go into more in just a moment. But the pause method is really about one slowing down. P stands for pause, right? We slow down. And A is to become aware. Become aware of the feelings, the thoughts, um, what's around you, your environment, and to just slow down and start to become aware. So we pause and we become aware. And then the U of pause is about understanding. So you start to look at um, what you're feeling. What is it that I'm actually feeling? Um, what am I actually thinking? Is it real? Is it made up? Is it from my conditioning? Are those thoughts that I want to think? Are they helpful, right? So we begin to understand what the experience is that we're having. And then the S is about shifting. So we can shift our perspective, maybe see something from the other side, see something in a new light, see ourselves differently. Um, and then the E is about exploring. And I think this is the, one of the most important parts of it is the action step. So once we become more awake and aware, what do we do with it all? 
right? Because I think we all, a lot of us have those modalities and we're teaching those modalities, but if we're not aware of ourselves and what's actually arising and what we're feeling and the kind of habits that we have, the actions we take are only going to be based on those things and they may not be the right things. And so when we become aware, then we have, we, we get, take all those beautiful tools that everyone offers and put them into place in a, in a, in a more effective way, I believe. So that's, that's kind of the five-step pause method. Excellent. So what do you think, um, of all the things that you said, I heard you say that you really think that action step is the, the highest and best. Um, I just recently wanted to share that I had an experience of really upping my meditation practice Mm. and my business literally exploded you know, and it was, it was just a tweak in what I was doing. Do you find people, and this was the me, the old me, (laughs) do you feel like people say, who has the time for that? Like, really? (laughs) Like whose life has the time to put that in it, that pause? Um, And really, is there so much really about this? So can you address some of the, the naysayer moments? Because I was one at some point in my life saying, who has time to like pause? Yeah. Well, time is a funny thing. Let's just say that right now, because the only time you have is right now and then it's gone. (laughs) So I feel like, I mean, you saw the, what the practice can do. Um, and when we allow ourselves this type of self-care, it expands that time. It expands our intuition. It expands our creativity. So when we take this time to awaken, everything expands. So we feel like we're taking away when we practice, but we're actually expanding. <laughs> and so I think we have to, again, shift that mindset. So if I say I don't have time, I have to look at my day. If I don't have five minutes to get centered, or if I can't create somewhere in my life some self-care, whether it's meditation, whether it's exercise, whether it's something that is helpful for me, then I'm working on empty. And, and that's not making more time. It's not creating more creativity, intuition, and otherwise. It's diminishing and shrinking. So time can become more expansive when we take the time to arrive in the here and the now. When we pause, we're actually arriving. We're not stopping. We're arriving in that expansion, in that place of opening. So for me, I think it's something that if you don't do it, you're going to stay stuck. You're going to stay in the same place. And, and the amount of info you gather and all that, if you don't take action on it, it's just, it just sits up here. So for example, one of the teachings that the Dalai Lama is huge and any Buddhists will say, you can read about the Dharma, the teachings of the Buddha all day long, but if you don't go out and practice, you won't change, you won't shift, you won't become enlightened. You'll simply know how to, but you won't do it. So it's very important to take action and take steps towards that place that you're trying to That just feels so rich, doesn't it? Everybody that's listening, um, I really, I just want to take a moment and pause. Yeah. Because what she said 
for you as a business owner is probably the most important thing that you might hear in this moment. I didn't believe this, Kim. I really didn't. Yeah. And so over when the whole, our issues started in February and, you know, let's, I'm, I need to be honest, the pandemic, then we had racial climate in America. And, um, you know, I was working with people in seven different countries. So I was getting really huge information from all over the world about how their countries were operating. And, and we had some challenges here in our country. And in February, I went into a really deep meditation practice. And some days I would meditate almost two hours because if I was leaning into the sadness I was feeling, instead of putting it behind me as part of my own personal alignment, I was like, mm -mm, yeah. I'm going to step up. But what I used to heal and to self-heal was meditation during this whole pandemic. And it honestly, I think it saved my life. And I was thinking my business isn't going to grow. And then the next thing I know, I literally don't have any spots until August. And this is being filmed in June. So thank you for letting everybody know that. Cause that's why one of the big reasons I wanted, um, to have you part of the summit is because this is vital. This isn't just like, Oh yeah, this is something that's important. Well, we, you know, we only have this life that we know of. We, we can, believe all kinds of things, but to get to know ourselves. And if you don't really know yourself, you're just sort of walking around like a drone, you know, or a robot. And any way that you can get to know yourself is, is awakening. Because for example, if you, if you, you know, I'm sure a lot of us felt the heaviness of our emotions during this pandemic and during the racial tensions and all of these things that were happening in our country that made us have to make a lot of changes and, and awaken a little bit to different things and some things that were very challenging. And when we become aware that those emotions are arising and we are able to sit with them and explore them and simply breathe and take that energy down in our meditation practice so that we can observe what we're feeling, it, it allows that emotion to kind of be out here a little further and not embody us so much. So we put it out in front of us like a little ball of energy and we say, what does anger really look like? What is anger? What is it doing to my body? How am I seeing it? What story am I wrapping around it? Why am I angry? What's actually triggering me, right? And sometimes we realize that it's often something that isn't even what we decided. It's like, our parents told us that we're supposed to be angry at uh, black people, or we're supposed to not like a certain um, political party. Or, and so we just do that because that's what we're conditioned to do. And then when we really stop and look and you say, well, am I actually angry at a black person, black people, the black culture? Like it gives you an opportunity to examine what you really feel when you get to know who you are, not who everybody else thought you were and molded you into. So the meditation and the slowing down is all about that. All of my offerings are kind of about that, about really stepping into experiencing who you are and what can arise when you take that time. And you kind of have these ahas moment after moment. And meditation is just the foundation of that. But then when you step into a photo shoot, for example, and all of a sudden you're in the spotlight 
here's looking at you, babe, right? And, and you go, ah, and almost every time I put up the camera, the first time women go, and they start to step back and their chin goes in, they're like, ah, because they're being looked at and examined by outside. So there's this process of looking at yourself from inward and then being looked at from the outside. How do you behave in both of those situations? What kind of feelings arise, right? How do you show up in that? And I want to empower women to show up in that because some of it's very uncomfortable. And if you can be in the mindset of curiosity and creativity and possibility, then you can begin to align with who you want to be and who you are and what's off, like what's not in alignment. Like, ooh, I don't like being uncomfortable because I need to do my work. I need to shine, baby. And if I'm uncomfortable in a photo, then how am I going to get on stage? How am I going to get in front of people and have them feel confident in my abilities? So I love a little edge, right? I love a little like, try it out. Let's see what happens, right? And being playful with it so it's not so scary, so it's not so awful. But to just say, well, let me see. Let me see what's possible. What happens if I get on a gown and walk in a field? What happens if I wear grungy wear and show up in a mansion? What happens if I put a chair in the middle of the street and sit in it for a picture? Like, what happens? Ooh. <laughs> so it's just about, it's really about trying to see this shift in perspective in a playful way. And, and, by, and by doing that, there's, there's so much of a release. There's so much of a, you know, like the I don't knows become, oh, I'm familiar with that. Just like an emotion. Like, I don't really know what this emotion is. Mm -hmm. I'm familiar with it if I look at it. And then when it comes up again, you recognize it and you say, oh, I know, I know anger. And this is that the type of emotion that doesn't always serve me. So let me watch this carefully and then take a new action step around it. Because now you're aware, you're not just reacting. You're not just yelling and screaming and fighting and kicking. You're going, okay, wait a second. Let me take a deep breath before I do that and be productive in my anger. Because anger can be productive, but it can also be really unproductive. Yeah. So I love what you're saying. Be at your cause rather than the effect of yes. situation. Love that. Love Living that. at cause. That's really powerful. You the know, cause, cause and cause. <laughs> the cause and the cause, baby. Yeah. <laughs> um, we'll have to... And I don't know if you have access to it, but uh, I'd love for you to put on your speaker sheet that picture that you had taken when you came down to Lancaster. Um, oh, yeah. Do you have that? Uh, I have it somewhere. I'll try to pull it up while we're talking yeah. here and share my screen. Yeah. Yeah. So um, Kim came to, to visit and there was a special photo shoot. I want to get deep into that, but um, damn, she like... <laughs> She owned the shoot. And, you know, I know Kim. I love Kim. I think that she's so powerful. But I didn't even realize how powerful she was until I saw her stand out in this photo. So I just wanted to go off of that for a, a, a moment. Tell me how you were feeling in that photo shoot when you like really owned it, baby. <laughs> well, I don't know why, but I've never been uncomfortable in, 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 in front of the camera necessarily. I mean, I'm sure I've had my moments, but um, I have learned to embrace who I am, I guess. Like I, I'm very, I feel blessed. Like I, 
I have a capable body. I have a wonderful mind. I am creative. You know, I have things that I can offer the world. Now I could sit, sit around and focus on all my flaws. Um, but I choose not to, but, um, when I came down, I really, the idea of working with another photographer is super fun because I feel like there's a, there's always co-creation, whether you're another photographer or not, but I wanted to help her get good pictures too, because she was doing a whole project around 50 women over 50. And if she, if she was looking for fabulous women, I wanted to show up that way. Cause I do think I'm fabulous in my own way. Right? Like we're all fabulous. You are. fabulous. So I got to walk the walk, walk the talk. This is powerful. Okay, here's the other one. So here's that's the other the one. one. Yeah, here's Look at that, one. everybody. So that's kind of owning some power there as a woman, right? <laughs> I just wanted to be open. I wanted to open my body, be inviting, and also kind of fierce. Like, I don't have a lot of pictures. Like, I don't usually do glamour shots. Like, I, fig I think of this as a glamour shot. Most of my branding shots are... Um, are way more kind of natural. I'm out, out in nature, which feel more like me, but I wanted to play with an alternative me version of myself. You know, like what would it be like to wear a lot of makeup and be super kind of badass in, in a beautiful, different kind of way. So you own the badass part, man. <laughs> I, it was fun. It was really fun. And, and, you know, working with Michelle was great. And, and knowing that there were other women who were also going to do this was kind of really great too, just to think that I was not alone in this experience. So it was really, it was kind of cool. Oh, I really, yeah, that was really a special time and a special thing that, that she offered. Yeah. So I'm just, really excited to ask this question and it's one of my favorite stories. Can you please, this is kind of switching, but it's yeah. still in the lineage of what we talked about. The Dalai Lama meeting the Dalai Lama and that experience you had is really the beginning of it all. Candy. I mean, it was the, it was, I would say it was the pivotal moment of my life. So I was, you know, I had two children I was a regular freelance photographer for a university in town and the Dalai Lama came to speak there. And so I was hired to come and photograph his, um, his talk. Now I was in a tent of thousands of people where they had set it up for this beautiful um, experience. And I, my ego was really on fire. I'm like, Oh, I'm all that. I get to photograph the Dalai Lama. I get to walk around and get all these great pictures of him and see him engaging with the crowd and the, and the students and blah, blah, blah. And none of that got to happen at the last minute. I was told that I was not going to get to move around. I had to sit my butt in a seat and I got really bummed out because I thought, oh, how am I going to get any good pictures? Like I have to stay in a seat. This is ridiculous. And I also had found out that there was another photographer who had been hired, who was getting to follow the Dalai Lama around. He was going to get all those pictures. And I was really like kind of miffed. And not only that, but I, I wasn't even going to get to sit in the front row because now all the seats had been taken up by journalists and so on and so on. So I was given a seat three rows back, fortunately on the edge of the aisle. So I could at least get, you know, lean in and do this thing. Well, long story short, the Dalai Lama enters the back of the tent. It was so super exciting. I could just feel a shift in the tent. I thought, what is happening? Like, who is this person? Like crazy. It was crazy. And as he moves forward, I could feel that sort of ego mind, that miffed, pissed off kind of mind settling a little bit. And it turned more into excitement. And I was like, wow, this is, this is wild. So I did my best to get pictures of him coming in, but he was so far away because the tent was huge, but he did 
come right behind me at one point and shake the hands of the students who were sitting behind me. And I felt grateful because I had my wide angle lens on, got this beautiful shot of him engaging. I thought, all right, well, I got something good, right? But then in that moment, he's literally right there and I needed to put my camera down. I needed to stop shooting. I don't know why, but I was like, I just have to observe this person with my own eyes. And he walked across to the other side of the aisle and I'm looking at his beautiful sort of robes and just looking at his grace and his elegance. And then he turns back around and comes right towards me and starts reaching out his hand. Our eyes connect, my camera's down, I'm so ready. And it's like pure love is looking at me and reaching its hand out and holding me in this space of pure, pure love, like through me almost and seeing inside of me. I was so moved by that, that everything else just disappeared. I was so in that moment of being held by that. And here's someone who doesn't even know me. I was blown away. I mean, I literally started crying and I was like, what the heck? What is this? And I just became instantly fascinated by that. I thought, how does someone do that? Because it was so beautiful, Candy, that I wanted to know a little bit about that and how to hold that space for others. I wanted to be able to share that with my family and feel that again, feel that connection. And so it really is, it, it tweaked me and perked my, me up so much that I thought I need to figure out what Buddhism is. I need to figure out what this man has done and not to say I'm going to be or get even close to what the Dalai Lama has practiced in his entire life, but maybe just an ounce of it would be fun, right? And to feel that way, to feel that kind of presence and love for thousands of people, because I could tell he was you know, affecting a lot of people in that way. So I listened carefully to his talk. I don't know how many pictures I got. Probably didn't get any good ones. I don't even think, I mean, I think the other guy got way better shots and it's a no wonder he was able to move around. But I began my meditation. I went right home, picked up any book I could find, looked up meditation. I had no idea what I was doing, but I just started sitting. But I'll tell you what, within two weeks, I noticed my household shift in my practice simply by slowing myself down and beginning to just observe in a seated position. So powerful. And then, you know, I went through this whole couple of years of studying a little bit with him and other teachers, but really not finding a teacher nearby, a regular teacher. And I was feeling like, oh, I don't know what I'm doing. And I need a teacher, teacher, teacher. And one of my friends said to me, he goes, you know, teachers are everywhere. You got to keep your eyes open. It's not just who you think it's going to be. And that's when, um, that's when this little boy showed up. So I met Kaidel um, two years after my, my beginnings of Buddhist studies and meditation. And he was at a group home that I was just volunteering in. And I fell madly in love with him. And so a year after being at the group home, we ended up adopting Kaidel because he came up for adoption. And um, he had a special twinkle in his eye and he really needed to get out of the system because he had so much to offer the world. Um, but he really became my greatest spiritual teacher. He was the teacher that I needed and was looking for in my life. And not to say that my two birth children who I already had have not also been great teachers for me, but I think Kaidal came at a time when I was really looking for greater expansion. I wanted to understand what suffering meant. I wanted to understand a greater sense of accepting others as they are, practicing patience, um, really understanding myself in challenging times. 
Because that to me is when all of what we do, whether they're working, people work with you, they work with a massage therapist or whatever it is, is how you show up in your healing, in your work, in yourself, for yourself, is when something is testing you, whether it be this pandemic, whether it be the racial issues, whether it be a child, whether it be pain in the body, how do you work with it? And how do you show up for that is just so, to me, the real test of where you are in that alignment with yourself and your business and, and everything else. Mm-hmm. You know, so if you get a challenge in your business and you show up as a spazoid, <laughs> you know, and you're just a, I mean, you may have that moment. Don't get me wrong. We have those things. Mm-hmm. How quickly we can realign is really where the beauty is, right? I mean, mm-hmm. we can recenter and go, okay, what's possible? Just <laughs> right. <laughs> I'm just laughing because you said like the the spazo. You know? Yeah, right. This is a self-defining moment, spazoid, right? Like, ah! I was, I was a bit of a spazo this morning. I went out to meditate <laughs> and my cat has a little injury on his cheek. So you, you can't let him out or another cat will harm him fatally. So I'm like, I have my toast, my drink, my meditation practice stuff. And I'm like walking out and I was like, oh, I better go to the bathroom. <laughs> yeah. I start meditating. I'm like, the door is locked. Oh no. And I'm like, that's okay. I have the hidden key. So I went to get the hidden key, which my son's friends know where the hidden key's at too. And it was gone. Oh no. <laughs> I was the spazzo. Thank goodness I was about to meditate. So I brought my, I ended up um, getting into the house. I figured out another way. So, um, but yeah, that spazzo energy definitely can be in our businesses. And, and also you said about like the blocks and uh, you showing up for like who you really are through meditation and, and the meditation practice. I really, um, this story that Kim just shared with all of us, it, it touches my heart in so many ways and so many levels. Um, what do you think it is that the Dalai Lama is holding and how do you think he holds that space for that? intimate experience with thousands of people. How do you think that love went into you? It's a, it's a whole, it's the whole Buddhist practice and tradition philosophy, whatever you want to call it. Um, it's Buddhism is so much about the understanding of the interconnectedness of all beings and that all beings are suffering on some level. And if we understand both of those things in parallel, if we relieve one person's suffering because we're connected, we are also relieving our own. And let's face it, when it gets down to our truth, we all want to be loved, accepted, and feel like we have a purpose in the world. And so if I can love you no matter what, and that doesn't mean I have to be around you 24-7, take on your stuff, fix you in any way, but to simply love you on your journey with this understanding that we're all in this together. That's been the motto of the century, right? We're all in this together. Then in helping you or being present for you, I am also helping myself. I'm not taking on your baggage. I'm not trying to fix you. I don't need to get stressed by whatever you're presenting me with. It's, it's a simple holding you in this place of love and saying, I see you. 
I see you and you're a precious being who is on a journey just like I am. And you're being affected by cause and effect. That whole thing of karma is that you too are being affected by everything in life. And, you know, we're just doing our best in this world. We really are. But there's such a power and a gift in saying to someone, I accept you just as you are. You don't, you don't need to be fixed. You're not broken. You're simply on a path. You know, that moves just gently and beautifully into Kaidel. And, um, you know, I I just had this realization and Kim and I kind of went over some questions. So this is a new thing. Yeah. Um, When Kim and I met, I just remembered we met at a Jeannie Spiro event and somehow or another, I remember maybe you talked about your book and I immediately wanted to find you because I too was adopted and I couldn't have been loved more in life. You know, I was adopted at three months old, but there was something inside me that I didn't even realize it until I was much older that felt a little broken. Mm. And I love how you're connecting like meditation practice, life practice with that connection of heart and that infinite amount of love that we can send to each other. And I just remember like running back to the back of the room to meet you and felt so connected to you in that moment. And often Candy, this is why I love the story. When you introduced me, talked about me giving a platform for women to share their story and process release and become the hero of it because you are a powerful, beautiful woman, but there's still that story in there that repeats itself. And if, and if it hurts, there's something still to um, work through. And I know you've done a lot of work on that. And so when we can understand that the hurt is often coming from outside of us, from things that have affected us, people that have affected us, and we see that those people are also suffering or have had suffering and that their suffering now becomes part of our conditioning. It's like that, that pain of course is strong because we've got all of it. We've got everybody's that affected that piece of us. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But when we can see that and we realize it's not us, it's not really us. It's something we're holding on to that we have, created a story around Mm -hmm. but when we start reimagining that story and seeing it differently and then telling it it releases and we say wow even with all of that here i am in my amazingness and i can love that part of me and i can love the all of me as equally Mm -hmm. and and so it becomes a story that is powerful versus harmful. Like it's part of what made you who you are. Oh, it, it absolutely did. And you know, it's only been the last few years. I mean, I've done a lifetime of work. I didn't have awareness of this brokenness that I felt inside me for many years. I just thought this is how everybody feels, even though their parents are really great and they really love them. And if they don't feel completely loved by them because of something that was inside of me, it wasn't totally wasn't them, but, um, what I realized just the last few years is totally what you were saying is my, my feelings came from my birth mother, not 
she actually wanted me and she tried to have me and then things fell apart with my biological father and their stories become quite different. And, um, so what she used to do, why I felt not loved is she used to stand in her bedroom closet because her grandmother lived with her at the time. And she'd say, you know, I hate you. I wish you weren't inside me. I hate you. And that was the mantra that she gave to this little baby every day. And then you get these parents that were hardly waiting for a baby. They waited 10 years and they just couldn't love her more. And then there was a disconnect with the baby <laughs> and what she was feeling from her parents, which that's all me. And so I think I was so excited to meet somebody um, back then, even this has been what, almost five years, I think. So we've known each other. Yeah. Maybe about that. Yeah. And um, I was so excited to share with Kim, like that feeling of that adoption that she was saying, you know, that a lot of adopted people have that feeling I used to have. And I don't own that feeling anymore. It's not a part of me um, because I love me. And that's yeah. enough, you know, that I started to love me, but it's a lot of deep work. And that's why, again, you know, going back to these beautiful um, visionaries and mission-driven heart-centered entrepreneurs that have little bits and pieces that feel a little broken. Did you ever hear about that cup that gets broken and then it fills in with gold Yes, um, and then it becomes stronger? I forget what that's called. I know. I, I know that story. I don't know who tells it. I think it's told in many different ways, but yeah, it's a beautiful yeah. And I think that's, um, I must've been, I thought my cup was full of overfilling love, um, intellectually, but inside my heart, I felt cracked Yeah. and it took me a lifetime to put gold in the place of the cracks. And I, I always wish that for Kaidel, your son as well, because yes. there is a feeling, you know, of rejection in, in an adopted child's energy and, uh, and, and it can be healed. And that's the great news. So. Well, part of the work we did together is that I helped him understand that his mother loved him dearly, but she had a lot of her own things to work with or work around. She had her own issues and it made it very difficult to give him the life that he deserved. And so it was actually a gift that she gave him to put him in a family like this, even though it's very hard, right? So again, shifting that perspective from her being this awful person, which she totally isn't. We have, we still are involved with her in our lives, gratefully. Um, but for, to be able to see her as someone who loved him so much, you know, as I think a lot of mothers obviously love the baby, even though if they can't have them, you know, and it may be very painful for them to be pregnant or whatever that might be. I, I can't, I can't imagine that any mother who has given up a child doesn't love that child. Oh, it's yeah. just, they're trying to make a better life for that child. Well, I think so. what, what my birth mother did say to me is it, it, she was 17. She had graduated. And then when she was 18, um, she gave birth to me. Um, but I think that she had a disconnect that she was actually having a child, you know, cause if you've never had a child and she said, the moment she realized she just had a baby, I had, I had been delivered. She said there was a nun who helped because I was born in an orphanage in Rosalia in Pittsburgh and then the doctor. And she said, when you came out, I realized I just experienced a miracle. Yeah. And she said, I put my hands out and said, Oh my God, let me hold her. And she said, they covered me with a blanket and walked 
out of the room and she never saw or touched me. So I have a video of the first moment we meet when she comes off the plane and she literally cradles. You can see her. She holds my hand like you'd hold a baby. Oh, and I touched her womb because I came from somebody. You absolutely and, did. And I used to say, I felt like bananas on trees. Like, you know, I, I lived in Pennsylvania my whole life. And when I was 16, I went to Florida and lo and behold, there were bananas and they weren't in a grocery store. They were up on a tree. And that's how I used to feel like that disconnect between a woman being born from a woman and, and being here, there's, there's no connection with a closed adoption. So, yeah, <laughs> but I want to speak about women now, because that's kind of where we're gently moving into. I wanted to talk about, you're born to rise. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, born to rise has come about because, um, well, a couple of things, I think it was really everything coming into alignment, which is what you so beautifully talk about. Everything kind of came into alignment and I had one of those aha moments. So I had my mindful practice. I had done a, a Ted talk and that Ted talk was a very powerful experience, which I'm happy to touch on, but I had that experience. Um, I had witnessed women and the beauty of them being in the spotlight and what that feels like. And it felt like all of this work was coming together in this one beautiful package. So Born to Rise started out as my desire to really um, allow women to stand in their light on a stage and share a personal story with other women as a method of connecting and seeing what's possible for their lives when they do this, when they hear a story and really actively listen. And when they share a story and stand in that power of sharing that story. So in the photography, I enabled women to share their story visually, right? Is to really allow them to play and tell a story through their pictures. Now this was a way to do it on the stage with their story. And I feel like they were so similar in alignment, but I know that every TED talk I listen to, especially from a woman or any moth or any podcast, or, there's something so rich about it because we're giving someone a space to share without being interrupted. And it's a complete thought. <laughs> and so when we listen with care, we, we also can hear our own thoughts. We probably do more than we're actually listening a lot of times. We go, oh, I, I remember that, or oh, I did that, or I went there, or oh, I got something to say, or I have a solution for you. We're not really listening sometimes. And so the deep listening is, is the audience participation, and the speaking piece is the opportunity for that woman to be in that story and embody that story and say, I'm owning this. This is a part of me. Whether it's the most traumatic story of drug and addiction, uh, problems I've had in my life, being adopted, you name it. It's a story that matters. And it's an important story because we learn about the resilience of women. We learn about how women are still standing, even with all of this, and how they can also ask for support when they need it. By, share, by simply sharing the story, they are saying, I'm here and I'm standing in this and I'm also falling apart and it's okay. And, and how about you? Right? And so we learn to support one another by simply listening and holding space just like the Dalai Lama did. So it comes full circle for me. 
we learn to be the Dalai Lama. We learn to be a piece of the Dalai Lama. We learn to be the love part, the part that says, I see you, I hold you, and you are perfect just the way you are on your journey. Not my journey, your journey. So I don't have to do anything but hold space for you. And, I, and then so me being the recipient of that, I feel the love, I feel held, I feel like everything's possible in that moment because I'm so held. So it's that infant thing, it's that, that womb, you create this womb. So it, it, it all, it came, in a, it came in a meditation one day and, and I, it just downloaded and I was like, oh my God, this is the big picture for me. So Born to Rise is going to be a big story festival. It's going to be this, and we've had many events. We've had many story nights that are only about an hour long, two hours long, where I'm giving women space to share. But the festival is going to be a more flushed out version of, and a little bit longer talks and personal. And of course, with COVID, we've had to really shift this whole thing around. We're not doing it exactly like we had first imagined, but it's going to still be very powerful. Oh, maybe I could do it this year because I wasn't able to come last year yeah. to, to the live event. So maybe I'll still be able to, to join. That would be like, great. I'd oh. obviously love to have you, Candy. Yeah. So we're, we've, we're creating a very interesting, safe version of the story uh, festival. And it's going to have creativity and community and all of it. So it'll be great. Oh, that just sounds so lovely. Thank you. So, so uh, you were getting on the subject of uh, being on stage and the yeah. TEDx talk. Um, I think so many of us would love to be able to do, like to be showcased with a TEDx talk. And maybe some people have some trepidations and maybe some people are already planning it. So talk to us a little bit about your experience and how you felt on that stage. Yes. So, um, first of all, I think a lot of times when we want to do a big talk, we, we know we have something to share, but we're not quite sure how to pull it all together. And I certainly went through that. I, as you know, if you read my bio, I've done a bazillion things. It's like, okay, what, but what's the core, what's like, what's the real thing that I want to talk about? What's the, the real message that, that I feel is most important for me in my life and that I want to share. And it was really about how we see people. So, um, uh, being a photographer, I've examined people through the lens of my camera for years and now witnessing my child and trying to observe him through a clear lens, I called it, one that does not have a veil of assumptions and judgments and expectations and all of those other things. So I used this, a lot of metaphors of my photography and sort of brought the whole story together, but it took a lot of work. But the process of doing a TED Talk is, is really powerful because I think even if you never present a TED Talk, you should try to write one because it really helps you get clear on exactly what is important to you and that you find value in sharing in the world. Because all of my messaging now is how we see ourselves and how we see others and how much that impacts our lives, our relationships, our businesses, our everything in, in the way that we are present for people or not. Right. So that's what I had to get to first. What is my message? And then I had to get rid of the jitters and the fear and the I'm not good enough and the I'm not smart enough and all of that to say, I am enough to stand on a stage and share this message because it's coming from my experience. It's coming from my creativity and it's coming from my light. And so I had to really do a lot of self-talk. I had to practice 
open body language. I had to practice using my voice. But then once you get out there and memorize that thing up and down, backwards and sideways, and you stand in it as a vessel of delivery versus a fear-based place, it is magical. And I really want women to feel that. And it doesn't have to be on a TED Talk. It can just be about sharing that personal piece, that story. But I feel like the more we do that, the clearer we get, the more we transform our, our mess into our message, our trauma into our beautiful lives, and we, we heal and we grow and we become empowered by that story. So it, that was the beginning of a lot of the story piece. And I actually have developed a workshop around, you know, um, processing and transforming and releasing that story. So that's one of the uh, workshops in the Born to Rise programming is that um, I think when, we, when, when I can help someone find that story and learn to share it, hopefully they'll get that same experience or that same feeling I had on that stage. Oh, thank you so much for sharing that. And um, that goes full circle, full circle with one piece of advice you gave all of us is even if you're maybe afraid to do a TEDx talk right now or a TED talk, whatever, whatever you want to do um, to write it. Yeah. Action, which goes back to your pause, like taking action, right? Because yes. We only have the present moment, so why not write it in the present? Just sit down and write your, you know, the the preframe of your TED talk. So I think that's really good advice. Yeah, thank so, you, <laughs> thank you. I um, I want to invite Kim to share a gift that she has for all of us, and then um, I asked her before the interview if she would take us through a little meditation and close. So I'm inviting her to share uh, how to get in touch with her first because. We're going to be in this beautiful meditative state when we close out. So um, tell us what gift do you have for everybody that is listening to the summit, how to get in touch with you, and then we're going to have the gift of the pause. Sure. So my website is borntorise.live, and you can certainly um, join my email list there. Um, you can reach me by email, kbfphoto at cox.net. That's all also on the website. Um, I have a Born to Rise Instagram page, Facebook page. Um, and yeah, so I think the website's the best portal for, for all of that. It's all there. And if you do join the email list, my free gift is actually a really fun game <clears throat> that was uh, created under the Born to Rise umbrella. And it's called It's Not Your Turn. And it's really about sharing a personal story and also active listening. And so it's a really quick game that you can play at the dinner table or with your friends. And it's a way to just start practicing sharing personal stories and the fun of that and that it can be very playful. It doesn't have to feel so painful and, you know, ah, vulnerable, if you will. And also the practice of listening. So you're not allowed to talk at all when someone <laughs> else is sharing. You're not allowed to laugh, interrupt, do anything. You just listen. And then that other person feels empowered. So it's a wonderful game. So if you sign up for the email list, you'll get the instructions for that game. And it's super fun. Yeah. Oh, thank you. I was just laughing because uh, my family has a whole huge issue with interrupting. Oh yeah, we all do. <laughs> so that would be so much fun. We actually sometimes have to play quiet game in the car and there's nobody in our car under 19. Everybody's over 19. <laughs> we have to play the quiet game. <laughs> So anyways, let's all take a moment. Oh, oh, let's get, do that. 
We'll just do a really short, simple thing that, you know, when you say I don't have time, this is something that you can do really quickly. So just even right now, if you, if you are comfortable closing your eyes, go ahead and close your eyes. And if you're not comfortable, just find a spot that you can gaze, um, gaze at, at the, on the floor or on your desk or wherever you might be sitting. And just simply tune inward and begin to notice how you feel sitting in your seat. And what I mean by that is what do your legs feel like touching the chair or the cushion? So just feeling whatever energy is there, whatever, <clears throat> whatever weight of the muscles you can feel resting in the chair. Just begin to almost imagine as if you're creating this wonderful foundation, like you're a tree and roots are growing into the ground. And so with each exhale, you, you allow yourself to root a little more deeply into the earth. You can even imagine roots growing out from your legs. And from the waist up, your body is very relaxed and loose. So from this foundation, you can almost grow out from the top of your head. You can feel your body maybe a little looser, like it's a reed of grass under the water, or it's a bit of a breezy wind. You can feel some space in the head. Maybe your head is even open at the top as if it's receiving this beautiful light. So as you breathe in, you receive, and as you exhale, you root into the ground. So there's this lightness at the top as you breathe in. And as you exhale, there's this settling into the earth. We create this wonderful ebb and flow with the breath as we breathe in. And we breathe out. And then you can open your eyes and there you are. Just gently allow yourself to take in your space, still holding on a little bit to that rooted sense in the ground and that wonderful lift to the sky. So you might feel some lightness, some openness, but also this grounding sense. So that's, that's a very quick, short thing. Just check in. That, that was maybe 10 inhales and exhales, you know, and that's it. You just do that and start your day. And the more you do it, the more you can tap into it really quickly. And you can be aware of when you're a little off and you want to just recenter. And you just, you go right to that foundation. You just imagine the roots right away. And you imagine this wonderful lightness and spaciousness in the, in the sky and openness in the head. And so you just become this wonderful thing that's grounded at your base, but you can have a little flow, right? And then you just whoosh, align. That's what we're here to do, right, Candy? That's right. Woo, just land. <laughs> I love it. It's about, you know, getting focused, getting unstuck, getting focused and back into flow with our intuition. So right. Kim, you, you embodied all of that. And thank you for that gift that you gave us and the gift of your presence in this present moment. So thank you so much. I honor what you do for women. I honor what you do for the world. And, um, and, and thank you from the Thank top, you, bottom, both sides of my heart. <laughs>
I'm so honored. Thank you. I just love being with you and in your space. Yay. Me too. Thank you. <laughs> so thank you for watching today on the Align Your Business Summit. And I just really want to thank Kim. Um, on the screen, we'll have a share of her information so that you'll be able to contact her. Thank you so much and have a great day. Bye. Thank you for tuning into this episode. I hope that you feel more connected to your power within and that you take action from the guidance here today. For more information, please head to CandiceHaza.com where you will find more resources to help you and your business grow to the next level.